Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you guys. Thank you for being here. Week three in a series we're calling Be Rich. And really, Be Rich is a celebration of generosity. It's really a campaign for us to be able to show generosity to our community, to individuals that really need it. And as we've talked about through this series, we've really uh, done some legwork before it ever started to vet some of the local nonprofits that are doing amazing work in our community, being able to come alongside them and help bless and accelerate some of the great work that's already happening in our community. Instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, we can, we can join uh, forces with some people that are making a difference in the lives of orphans in our community, those who are hungry, those who are disabled, and it's been so cool to see how you guys have stepped up. Uh, in a day when people are talking all about all the problems in the world, we have collectively decided we're going to be part of the solution. We're going to step up and help meet some of the needs around us because it's not that complicated. Sometimes it gets complicated because you don't know really where's the right place to go and who's doing a con job and who's really to be trusted. And so we've done all that legwork for you. This is a series to hopefully make it simple and easy for you to be able to help and to make a difference. And we're doing this through three initiatives, through giving, through serving, and through loving. In week one, we talked about financially giving, why that's so important, and what a difference it makes when we do it right, and to be able to lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven. Week two, last week, we talked about serving, why we should serve, and how your service makes such a difference in the lives of other people when they see a practical expression of the love of God through your life. And this week, we're going to talk about love. And really, the whole point of this entire series is to try to help it, to communicate to our community that everybody matters to God, whether God matters to them or not. Whether they're a Christian or not, whether, whether they have faith or not, it doesn't matter because this is the approach that Jesus had, and it was incredibly effective. It was amazingly effective. It drew all kinds of people that wanted to be around Jesus all the time. And he says, come and follow me. Like, do what I'm doing. I want you to do that. And that's really why we're doing it, because we're trying to follow in his footsteps. And this whole idea of be rich really comes from something that Paul, the Apostle Paul, taught in the New Testament to his protege, Timothy. There's two letters in the New Testament that Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. Good name, right, for a letter to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, here's what Paul writes to Timothy. And he's this young pastor in a city called Ephesus. And he's trying to help him to shepherd, to lead well these people that God entrusted to him. And here's what he says. He says, command those who are rich in this present world. And we talked about that we don't realize we're rich. We don't feel rich because we live around a bunch of rich people. But most of us are way richer than we realize if you, you know, Make $34,000 a year, you're in the top 1% of richest people in the world. That's your combined income. And even if it's really interesting, this week I looked at, I mean, you've got to make below $14,000 a year just to get out of the top 10% richest people in the world. We don't realize, but in this present world, you're rich. I'm rich. Some of us are really rich, right? But he says, tell those people who have more resources than a whole lot of other people to look for ways to leverage them to make a difference. 
He says, Use the, teach those people uh, who are rich in the present world to do good, to, let's say it together, to be rich, not how to get rich, but to be rich, because you're already rich, right? Be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. To be rich in good deeds, generous and willing to share. And that's what this series has been all about. How do we do that better? How do we make sure we're making a difference? And what's beautiful is that any time, and so many of you already know what I'm about to say, any time that you're on the giving end of a giving and receiving situation where you're giving and somebody else is receiving a blessing that you're serving, you're helping, the giver always gets blessed more. Like you come away going, oh my goodness, I can't believe what a blessing this was for me and my family to be a part of this. And it's so cool that what Jesus said was true. It is more blessed to give than to receive. If we really believe this, we will step up and be a part of something like this, making a difference. And, and this week, I want to talk to you about love and why love is so critical, so important for us to understand, especially if you call yourself a follower of Jesus. This is incredibly important for you to fully understand and for many people, there is a disconnect from the, the way that Jesus taught us to love and the way that many people who call themselves Christians, followers of Christ, actually love. And if you're considering becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, this is really important for you to understand too, because if you're really considering it, this is something that would apply to you and to be able to help you to, to be informed about what is that going to look like if I follow Jesus? And, and like many of you here in the room, Maybe you grew up like me with an incorrect assumption about how this relationship between us and God works. And here's what I mean by this. Many of us were raised with the assumption that we could confess and work our way into being right with God. That many, many belief systems, that well-meaning grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, you grew up understanding that if you just say the right words in your prayer, if you just do the right things, then God will be okay with you, like you'll be in right standing with God. And here's the interesting thing about this that I have found that's not just true of how I grew up, but for so many people, that we're, whether you're talking about Protestants, Catholics, Jews, or Muslims, they all have a version of this. I kid you not, that if you say the right things, do the right things, you'll be right with God. The problem with this is, is this is so opposite of what Jesus taught. This is not what Jesus taught. It's really interesting that there's this disconnect with this kind of a mentality, which is a very much of a religious, religion kind of mentality. Jesus didn't come to teach religion. He came to teach a relationship with God. Religion is all about checking boxes. It's about, am I following the rules? Am I keeping all the laws and Jesus was really helping us to understand that the vertical relationship with God should absolutely impact the horizontal relationship with everybody else who we come in contact with. And for many, many people that have grown up with this kind of system, they would adopt a mentality that says, if I mistreat you, like, you know, I'll ask God to forgive me, and then me and God are good. But whether you and I are good or not, it really doesn't make much difference because I'm good with God, right? Like, that's how, I mean, let's be honest, that's how a lot of people see it. And that is, again, opposite of the way that Jesus taught. And this kind of a mentality will begin to change the way we even relate with God. 
And what it does is it kind of makes us find out, okay, tell me where the line is between me and sin. Like, where, where's the, is that where the line is right there? Okay. So we start asking questions like this. Is there anything wrong with blank? Like, is it a sin to blank? And I remember when I, being a teenager, college student, and maybe many of you feel the same way, but you, you kind of want to know, like, okay, so like how far is too far to go on a date? How much can I drink? And it, like, oh, it's a sin there, but like up to here, it's okay. Like, we're trying to look at where's the lines, right? And really, what we're asking, or like, where can I look on the internet? Oh, it's like that's a sin. This is not like God's okay with this. It's not okay with that. Like, how much? And where's the lines? And check the boxes. And am I following the rules? Really, what we're asking is, how close to sin can I get without actually sinning? The moment, I want you to see this. This is, this is so important, so significant, because a lot of people approach God like this. A lot of well-meaning Christians, and this hijacks and messes up and robs the good, beautiful kind of relationship that God intends. The moment we start to approach God like this, we begin to fall back into an old covenant relationship with God. And let me explain this a little bit more. This old covenant relationship with God simply says our relationship with God is based on how we behave, whether or not we obey. Really, what we're saying about this old covenant relationship with God, essentially, is that it is a law-based relationship. It's a law-based relationship that really comes down to you and I trying to follow a set of laws. Our relationship with God is measured by adherence to or obedience to the laws of of God. And for a lot of people, church, God, religion comes down to some kind of system that helps them to be able to measure. And for some of you read that and you go, well, of course, that's, how else are you going to measure it? Like, that's how you have to do it. Jesus proposed a whole new approach. But the problem with this is, as we come to the New Testament, the Apostle Paul talks very directly and specifically about this kind of approach to God. And he says, here's the big problem with this. Nobody can do it. <laughs> Nobody can be successful at this. The moment you try to say, okay, I'm going to keep all of the laws of God so that I can be righteous before God, so that God will look down and say, okay, you made it. You know, like I'm going to bless you today or this week. He says, the problem with that is nobody can be good enough. And he says this in Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Here's how he says it. He says, no one, I want you to notice, no one, not like a few or only the holy or the, only the most religious, no one, nobody will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, why do we have the law then? He, he's going to tell us. Through the law, we become conscious of our sin. He says, the law is there for us to look at and I don't know if you've even taken a look in a while at even the Ten Commandments, but you look at that and go, I, at least for me, I'm going, I can't be that good. <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I could keep all of those. And, and just in case you're going, well, maybe you can't, Will, but I'm doing pretty good. Like, I got it. I think I got it, you know? Well, let's just, let's just do a quick test. You just, you just kind of filter yourself right now, all right? Have you ever lied? Ever misrepresented the truth. Oh, wait, that's different. No, it's not. That's not different. It's the same, right? You, you have taken something without asking, right? Have you ever, like, on the lying thing, have you ever taken somebody's intellectual property? 
Have you ever taken some, hey, have you even taken a joke and you told it and took credit for it? That's stealing. Wow. I mean, look, we're going to get legalistic. We're going to like, that's, that's still stealing. Like you broke that one, right? We've all broken that one, right? Have you, have you stolen? Have you, uh, have you taken, have you lied? In other words, have you misrepresented the truth? Did you, did you ever, uh, you know, share something even like as a joke that wasn't true? Well, you broke that one, right? Have you ever lusted after somebody that you're not married to? Jesus says, well, you've broken the adultery one. Okay, so that one's out. So that's three. Have you ever loved anything, even for a little while, more than you love God? Well, you've broken the first two. That's five out of the ten. Do I need to keep going? Like, I haven't, I can't keep them all. You can't keep them all. What's interesting is that Paul said, I'm around the goodest people that there are. I know that's not grammatically correct. They don't get any gooder than these people. Like, these are the goodest that there are. Like, the, the Pharisees, they're trying to keep the laws all the time. He goes, and none of those guys can do it. Nobody can do it. And the law is here for us to say, God, have mercy on my soul. I need your mercy, God. I need your forgiveness, right? It brings us to that place of realizing before God, I cannot get in to a relationship with you, let alone heaven, on my own works, by my own righteousness, because I will never, ever be that good. So where did this come from? This law-based old covenant system came from an agreement between God and the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, testament is just Latin for covenant, okay? So there's an Old Testament, New Testament. There's an Old Covenant and a New Covenant. And these covenants were just descriptions of relationships that God had with humanity at that time. And this Old Covenant was made with the nation, not individual, but the entire nation of Israel. And it went something like this, that there was this law-based relationship through Israel where God says, if you obey me, I'm just going to bottom line it for you because I like it when things are made simple and bottom line. Here's what God essentially was saying to Israel. If you obey me, I'll bless you. If you disobey me, I'm going to unbless you, okay? And if you disobey me long enough, I'm going to unbless you into captivity, which is exactly what happened. The nation of Israel split into two, to the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern to Judah. And later, um, Israel was captured by Assyria. Judah, later, like 150 years later, was captured by Babylon. Both went into captivity because they disobeyed. They turned their back on God again and again and again and again and again. I mean, like thousands and thousands of times. And God says, that's it. Because God was trying to honor a commitment, a promise that he had made all the way back in Genesis chapter 12 to his servant uh, Abraham. He was saying, listen, I am going to bless the entire world, everybody, right? I'm going to use you, my people, the Jews, to be a light to all the Gentiles, all the non-Jewish nations of the world. And there are these hints beautiful as you begin to look for them. There's people that have listed out these incredible kind of prophetic moments all through this Old Testament, all through this Old Covenant of the Old Testament where God is setting them up and getting them ready. There's about to be a new arrangement. 
There's coming a new covenant. There's a new relationship that's going to come where I'm going to have a, a connection. I'm going to have a relationship not with a nation, with, with, with individual people from every tribe, language, and nation in the world. And that relationship and that covenant is going to come through my son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And in walks Jesus on the pages of history. And when Jesus comes in and when he begins his public ministry, Jesus came to announce the beginning, the beginning of a new covenant, a new relationship between God and the individuals of every nation. This is so significant that God now is offering through his son, Jesus Christ, He's offering a way to relate with him in a loving relationship. And this love relationship now that God is offering through his son Jesus is something that he's saying, I don't want you just to hang on to. That when you receive my mercy, my forgiveness, and my salvation, it ought to compel you to share it with other people. As a matter of fact, part of your authentication that you're my follower Part of the fact that you're demonstrating that you're actually a follower of Jesus Christ is because you are compelled to show the same love he gave you to other people. That you can't mistreat people and say, well, God forgave me and I don't really owe anything to you anymore. Jesus said, no, no, that's not how it works. you got to work harder in showing people. In other words, this law-based relationship Jesus came to replace with a love-based relationship. He's saying, I'm giving you a whole new way to relate to God, and it's going to radically change the way you relate to each other. Our relationship with God is measured now by our relationship with others. That really, uh, you know, when we mistreat or break the relationship with other people, God certainly will forgive us. But he's saying, listen, I want you to take seriously your horizontal relationship. The vertical relationship between you and me needs to be expressed horizontally in your relationship with other people. The love that I show to you, do not just hang on to I want you to show it, express it, serve it, give it away. This is why Paul is saying it's so important to teach people how to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. And what's beautiful is that this disciple John was there when Jesus not only taught this concept, but he explained it. And I want us to take a look together in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, starting with verse 12, when Jesus taught on this miraculous, amazing, I'm talking about revolutionary concept of a love-based relationship and how it ought to impact the way we treat other people, okay? So if you would, let's read the highlighted words together. And here's what Jesus said. He says, my commandment is this, love each other. That's right. As I have loved who? you, right? He's saying, the model that I have given you for how I love you is the way I want you to love other people. And so he goes on to explain it a little bit more. He says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's, let's say it together, for one's friends. That's right. Here's Jesus foreshadowing the cross and the resurrection that he was just about to go to. Shortly after this teaching, he goes... <clears throat> It begins his trial, crucifixion, and resurrection. Jesus is showing them that the way I'm about to sacrificially show love to you is the way I want you to learn to sacrificially show love to each other. I want that same kind of love to be reflected in your life. And he says, 
Uh, I'm going to lay my life down for my friends. So who are your friends, Jesus? He tells us next. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. <clears throat> what did he command? Let's go back up to the first word. Love each other, right? He's saying, let me keep this real simple for you, okay? And essentially what Jesus has done is he's taken <clears throat> what seemed like almost an endless number of verses and he has compressed them down to one command. And he's saying, this is the one I want you to remember and hang on to. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you, let's say it together, call you servants. Like, I don't call you servants because that was the Old Testament. That was the Old Covenant. That was the old law-based relationship. We're not under that anymore. We're not functioning like that anymore. We're not asking, where are the loopholes? Where are the lines? Let me check all the boxes. Let me keep all the rules. Let me try to be as good as I can be and be self-righteous and try to make God impress with my life. Maybe he'll give me forgiveness and maybe he'll let me into heaven. Like, that's a servant, like servants, earthly servants, they, they find out what their master requires and they try to keep all the rules so they don't lose their job. But heavenly servants, it's interesting, they go to God, they surrender themselves, and God does the work through them. It's a whole different approach. It's a whole different relationship. It's a loving relationship. And he's saying, listen, I don't call you servants anymore because a servant does not know his master's business. He goes, I have shared my business with you, and my business is the gospel. The word gospel means good news. I have come to share the love of God, His forgiveness, His grace and mercy that every single person needs, whether they realize it or not, because they will not measure up to the holiness of God. They all need it. He goes, this is extended now to every individual of every tribe, language, and nation. This is my business, and I have shared my business with you, and I've extended my business to you. You're now to be a part of my business. I don't care what you do for a living, whether you fish or you're a computer programmer, you're a teacher, you're a, a, a manager in, in a business, you're a firefighter. It doesn't matter. You, you are now, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's saying you're part of the master's business. He goes on to say, <clears throat> instead, I have called you friends. There it is again. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you the salvation of the world through the love of God expressed through the Son of God. This is what God sent me here to do, Jesus says. This is, if I can bottom line it, this is why I came. This was the whole objective for why I'm down here. And it's to help you to go from this law-based system to a love-based system and to be able to be radically changed in the process. So he goes on to say, he says, but I, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. This is such a beautiful idea. He says, I want you to understand that I initiated this love-based relationship. You didn't. I know you feel like, well, you prayed and put your faith in and you trusted and you've taken steps of obedience. That's great, but all that's a gift. <laughs> all of that, your ability to even do that is a gift. It is me working in and through your life now as one of my friends, as one of my children. It's a gift, but I initiated. You didn't initiate, I initiated. And he goes on to say, I initiated it so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. In week one of the series, we talked about how Paul talked in Galatians 5, 22 and 23 about the fruit of the Spirit of God, that God wants to express that kind of, that kind of spiritual fruit through our life, through His Holy Spirit. This fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. 
You ask according to his will and according to his command to love each other. God loves to answer prayers like that. He loves to help people, to love hard-to-love people. He loves to help you to break down walls between you and people where there has been barriers maybe for years and years and years. And for some of you, if you can be really honest, you're going to be in the room with some of those people over this next week during Thanksgiving, okay? You need to start asking God's help right now. Lord, help me to love each other with this person in particular because they are the most challenging person to love in my life. And he loves to answer those kinds of prayers. And this is my command. Let's say it together. Love each other. I love that. But I want you to see how many times Jesus reiterates this idea that you're my friends. You're my friends. You're my people. This is how he describes his people now. It's not the nation of Israel. It's my friends, the people who come and love me and who are willing to love other people. That the horizontal, I mean, the horizontal relationship is reflective of the vertical relationship with him. And he's willing to, we're willing to let him use us. In other words, this love-based relationship should impact our, our horizontal relationship, should impact everybody we come into contact with. This love-based relationship helps inform us that everybody is somebody for whom Jesus died. Everybody. I don't care if they're Christians or not. I don't care if they're followers. If they ever become followers, they're still people for whom Jesus died. And he wants us to show that kind of love and respect and, and, and expression of his love to them. And John, later in his life, he writes a series of letters. And right towards the end of the, the New Testament, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, written by the same man, 1st John chapter 2, he lays it out like this. He says, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. In other words, He has made us one with God because He has paid the price and forgiven our sins and the sins of the whole world. As if to say, you will never come in contact with, you will never talk on the phone with, you will never pass on the street with anybody for whom Christ did not die. Everybody is, are people that He loved and died for. And He says, and so... Your love should be extended to all of these folks looking for ways that when I mistreat you, I can't say, well, I asked God to forgive me, so <laughs> tough on you. You're just going to have to, I know, that that's, stinks to be you, but me and God are good, so I'm, I'm going to go about my business. Where Jesus is saying, no, I, I, it is important for you to go try to go make that right. Paul later in Romans uh, 12 tells us that as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, live at peace. That is hard work. Have you ever tried to actually do that? That is hard work. Now, not everybody's going to let you have peace with them, but you need to, as far as it depends on you, try. This is part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, is to be willing to extend that kind of love to other people. I want you to see today, and this is so important, so significant, that your love for God is illustrated, demonstrated, and authenticated by how you treat others. You want to know what he really would like? He really wants us to really take seriously loving other people, like expressing it 
showing it. Sometimes love, though, means having tough conversations. The most loving thing to do with somebody sometimes is to tell them something in love they do not want to hear. It's doing something that is in their best interest, but it is really hard for them to process. You see, a love-based relationship is always looking for the best of other people. It says if it's not best for them, it's a sin. I need to be trying to do what is in the best interest of other people, not in the best interest of Will Lewis. How can I help other people? How can I show love to them? This is such an important challenge for us to understand because we want to run from that and say, well, no, no, that's somebody else's, that's somebody else's responsibility. <clears throat> I don't really know. Like, how much? I don't think that's, that's too much. I don't. You know what we're doing is we're trying to back into an old covenant relationship again. Like, where's the line? How much? Let me check the boxes. Let me find out what the rules. Give me the chapter and verse. I don't always know what the chapter and verse is for every situation that's going to crop up in your life. I wish I did. I can't even find them all for my life. But here's what I can find is that I almost always know what love wants me to do in a situation. You see, love is less complicated than the law, but it is far more demanding, right? And Jesus knew this. He wants us to say it's important not to just blow these people off, but to love them. It's important. And one of the greatest questions that's going to get us away from looking for loopholes spiritually, biblically. Where are the loopholes? How can I get away with and, and not break the law? And how can I keep from getting as close to sin without sinning? That's the wrong question to be asking. Let me give you the right question. To stop looking for loopholes. By the way, aren't you glad Jesus wasn't looking for loopholes when it came to loving us? Aren't you glad when Jesus came to asking the question, what does love require of me he was willing to man up and do what was required for us to have a love-based relationship with him. He was willing to lay his life down. And he was saying, love needs to perpetuate from your life. It needs to continue on. To, to, to these things, there is no law, the New Testament tells us. There's no like, okay, now you're done. Ooh. Phew, I'm done loving for my whole life. Like I, hit, I finally hit my quota, right? You don't ever get there. That love, it feeds your heart and you need it. They need it. But I'm telling you, this question right here, what does love require of me, is going to be one of the most powerful questions you can ask going forward in your life. You're not always going to know what the chapter and verse is for what's, what's sin and what's not sin, but almost always we know what love requires of us. Even this next week, when we're going to be in the room with hard-to-love people, maybe what love requires of you is just mm, shutting your mouth about something that happened in the past. Don't bring it up, all right? Just forgive it and let it go, right? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's saying something encouraging. Maybe it's writing a little note. Maybe it's doing something thoughtful for someone who will be surprised that you even thought of him or her, Right? And I want to challenge you with that this next week. That find somebody in your life that you can do something thoughtful for, that you can show gratitude, you can show love to. They're going to be surprised because you've probably never done this before. You've never really gone out of your way to say something meaningful and, and loving and kind, and you've done something you know would actually be a help to them. I want to challenge you. What does love require of you today? This is what Jesus was trying to get people to understand, that this is the best way to live 
but so few are willing to do this. We want to, we want to know where all the lines are and the rules and the boxes to check. And he's saying, that, don't relate to me anymore. You can't even win. That, that There's an old system that's broken. It doesn't work anyway. Stop trying to live like that, right? Start living like this. Start looking for ways to, to fulfill what is the love of God in you require of you in this relationship, in your marriage right now. What does that look like? In your workplace, people who are hard to work around, what does that look like for you? And here's what I ask you to do. In case you're kind of like, I'm not sure who to do this for this week, I want to invite you to text BF series to 97000. Some of you have already done this. If you've already done this, great. You're, you're already on our text list. But those who, who have not, I want to encourage you to just text BF series to 97000, 97000. And we're going to send you a card. We're just going to text it back to you, an opportunity for you to be able, and on this card, we just laid out some people, public servants, people that you could say thank you to, people that we really owe a lot to in our community that do so much for so many people, people like teachers and firefighters and police officers and postal workers and military personnel and nurses and doctors and government employees, and just to be able to write a thank you to them and to be able to maybe, uh, we've even put in there maybe putting a gift card, something just just says, I just want to bless you. I just want to show you some love, some appreciation, some gratitude. And just in case you're not sure even what to write in there, we thought we'd help you out with that too, okay? If you click down here at the bottom, uh, at this little red portion of the bottom of the page, and it'll take you to another page that'll have thank you, sample thank yous, and you can just borrow one of our sample thank yous to be able to write to somebody to be able to say thank you. And I'm telling you, this could make all the difference in somebody's life. I, I can't tell you how many times where I have tried to stop and say thank you to someone or show some gratitude, some love in the middle of the week, just randomly. And how many times I've heard back from them saying, you have no idea today of all days I need to hear that, how much that meant to me right now. I had no idea. I'm just trying to be obedient to what God's telling me. Well, I'd just like to right now just take a moment to lead us in a quick prayer. And in this time, I just want to invite you, would you just express to God, God, I want to love like you do. I want you to use my life to make a difference. I want you to speak through me in a loving way, maybe like I've never been willing to before. Use me to love those you love, to receive your love for me today. And maybe today is the day you need to say, God, I'm asking you to come into my life. I can't measure up. I can't, I can't be good enough. I can't be righteous enough. I can't. None of us can. We have to fall on God's mercy, on his forgiveness given through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And today is the day where you could receive him and ask his forgiveness and make him the Lord of your life. What an amazing way to go into Thanksgiving and Christmas I just uh, want to encourage you today, would you be open to that? And for those of you who are already Christians, to be willing to say, God, help me to have the courage, because it takes a lot of courage to say, what does love require of me today, in this situation, this Thanksgiving, at work, in my home, in my marriage, what does love require of me? I'm telling you, any place that you invite God in that boldly, he loves to answer those prayers. He loves to work in those situations. Would you be open to do that right now? Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. 
For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.